All right, I'm reading from Isaiah 52, verse 13, through to Isaiah 53, verse 12. If you want to follow along in your Bibles or up on the screen, it will be behind me. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin... He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. G'day everyone, good morning. Uh, my name's Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Pracker. Really happy to see you. Happy Easter this morning, really glad to see you. Uh, I want to tell you about a book I read a couple of years ago. Here it is. It's a um, time travel book. It's about a guy named Jake. And he goes back... Has anyone recognised the date? 11 it's, it's written in the American way. No one recognizes. It's the day that JFK was assassinated. And this guy's a time travel book. So this guy goes back in time. Jake goes back in time to try and stop the assassination. And so he's, he's back there in the 60s trying to keep track of the assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald. And, um, but along the way, he, 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 he falls in love with this girl. Uh, Sadie is her name. Sadie's recently uh, been divorced. She's escaping, she's escaping a violent ex-husband. But about halfway through the book, the, the ex-husband finds them and he attacks her. 
it's, it's pretty bad. She's, she's left with horrible scars. She spends a long time in hospital recovering. And while she's in hospital recovering, this is, this, is, this is what she says to Jake. She says, I'm angry. I know life is hard. I think everyone knows that in their hearts. But why does it have to be cruel as well? Why does it have to bite? Why are there no second chances? It's a riveting scene in this book because even though this is, this is just a made-up character in a made-up book about travelling back in time, even though this isn't real life, it's exactly what we see in real life, isn't it? This one might be made up, but, but, we, but we've seen dark things like that. We know of dark things like this that happen in our world all the time. I have a, a friend, a close friend. Uh, we used to hang out a lot. We'd go see the footy together. We played in a sporting team together. He was an easy guy to hang out with. And it seemed like for him, uh, life was heading down the right kind of track. He was independent. He was studying at uni to get into the business world. He had a big social life. And then depression hit. It hit hard. It uh, forced him to withdraw from his uni course. He couldn't study anymore. Um, Spending time with his large social network, that that couldn't happen anymore. People made him feel uneasy. Actually, even going to the footy, that, that, that wasn't something he wanted to do very often even. So it's kind of bad, but then things got worse. He, he, he couldn't run his own life anymore. He had to move back in with his parents. He, his behaviour became more erratic. He, he had to spend stints in hospital every now and again. His medication and diagnosis was changed time and time again as the medical staff tried to keep up with his spiralling symptoms. It was horrible. I got to sit with him. We met up just about every week um, the worst of it was over about a three-year period. And, and for those three years, I kept thinking to myself, this has ruined him. This has ruined his life. His best years have been taken from him. And he can't do a thing about it. It, it, it was a dark time. It, and it just seemed like life was being cruel to him. Maybe you're like me, you've sat through a dark time with a friend and you've thought something similar. Maybe, maybe you've been through those dark times yourself. Maybe your life feels like it's going through darkness today. Where does, where does our hope come from in, in these moments? Where does our hope come from when we're in the darkness? That's what we want to explore this morning. We just read part of the Bible, and this part of the Bible, it speaks of what Jesus experienced. It speaks of his death, and we particularly looked at that on on Good Friday a couple of days ago, and it also speaks of his resurrection. That's what we're looking at today. And we hear from it, today we hear from it, that uh, we we can come, when we hear this part of the Bible, we come face to face with the hope that Jesus brings. The hope he brings, even when we're confronted with the darkness of this world. So let's dig into it. Uh, here's, here's the first point to that. And actually, the first point has nothing to do with us at all. It's all about Jesus. Uh, here it is. That the darkness of death is not the end for Jesus. I mean, after all, that's what Easter's all about, isn't it? Uh, uh, it's about Jesus' resurrection. He didn't stay dead in the tomb, but he rose again. 
In that passage we just read, it talks about this. Uh, But it actually begins with something surprising. It says that it was God's plan all along for this to happen. God's plan for Jesus to die. But it didn't end there. God's plan also had Jesus rising again. So look at verse 10. Verse 10, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. It's looking at Jesus' experience. And and, and for Jesus, death is not the end. After his suffering, Jesus will live. His his days will be prolonged. He, He will see the light of life. And it's a full life, an abundant life, the good life. You see that in verse 12. Verse 12, Therefore I'll give him a portion among the great. And he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured his life out. Sorry, he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. It's an image of a richness in life, lacking nothing. It's life at its best, and it's saying that's the life that Jesus has now. On Friday afternoon, he was dead and buried, but on Sunday morning, he was risen from the grave to have life to the full. And many Australians will hear this today and think, no, couldn't be. Because once you're dead, you're dead. That's it. This is precisely what Kerry Packer thought. Um, Many of you know, Kerry Packer was the richest man in Australia for a lot of his life. But in 1990, Kerry Packer was playing polo and he died. Had a heart attack and he died. Clinically, he was dead for seven minutes. Seven whole minutes But the ambulance came and the officers were able to revive him. And he lived for another 15 years. And these words capture his thoughts on dying. This is what he said. He said, I've been on the other side and let me tell you, there's nothing there. And that's what most Aussies think, isn't it? Death is the end. There's nothing more beyond. Not even for Jesus. So here's the second point today. Well, really, it's it's a question. Can we really believe Jesus was resurrected? Because over the years, plenty of people have wanted to say, no, 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 you you can't believe that kind of thing. Of course not. And so they want to give a a different account of what happened all those years ago. They come up with explanations of what happened, such as this one, that Jesus actually didn't die on the cross. He was alive on Sunday because on Friday he never died. when When you think about it, it doesn't quite make sense because... Well, firstly, it must have really been Jesus on the cross, not a look-alike, because some of Jesus' own family, some of Jesus' very best friends were there in the crowd. They, They saw him strung up. They took his body down and they cried because they knew him and they knew this was him. And he must have really died too. We're talking about Romans here. Uh, The Romans, they knew how to kill people. For them... Crucifixion was an art form that they had mastered, right? No one survived these public displays of crucifixion. Jesus really did die. And so then they come with other theories as well. Um, If Jesus did die, perhaps he never really rose again. Perhaps the disciples went to the wrong tomb. There was no body in the tomb. They found it empty because Jesus wasn't there. He was actually in the tomb around the corner. 
Uh, but also, this doesn't make heaps of sense because Jesus, as, as we saw in that video before, Jesus was buried in a, in a prominent tomb. You know, it was owned by a wealthy man. People knew where it was. And so even if the disciples that first morning, in their, in their grief and confusion, if they went to the wrong tomb, surely someone else comes along and says, no, 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 here's Jesus, he's just around the corner. This is especially true considering that both the Romans and the Jews of the time wanted this resurrection rumour to stop in its tracks. So maybe Jesus did die and maybe his tomb really was empty, but maybe it was empty because the body was stolen. But again, that doesn't make sense. Jesus wasn't a wealthy man. He's not buried in expensive clothes. He didn't have expensive things in the tomb with him. So grave robbers doesn't actually make any sense at all. And, and, and besides that, there's actually there's a whole bunch of Roman soldiers guarding the tomb at the time. So no one was to get in and, and, and no one was to get out either. And so, okay, the, the, the final theory then is maybe, maybe just the disciples made it up anyway. But again, I think this is pretty unconvincing because, well, for starters, they couldn't steal the body. Remember, there's the... The soldiers are there guarding the tomb. And, and it's not that they could really just go out and say he was risen when, when, when his body was really still in the tomb. Because, again, the, author, the Romans and the Jews, they would have pointed out very quickly, no, you're lying, here he is, still dead. And on top of that, it makes no sense because the disciples gained nothing from making up a lie. Chuck Colson was a lawyer. He was an advisor... Uh, to President Nixon. Um, President Nixon associated with the Watergate scandal, was brought down by the Watergate scandal. This guy, Chuck Colson, was jailed for his involvement in the Watergate scandal. Uh, later in life, he became a Christian. Check out what he has to say about Jesus' resurrection. He said, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, put in prison. They would not even do that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. He says, when it comes down to it, none of the alternate theories really work out at all. The only thing that makes sense of all the evidence is this, that on the Friday afternoon, Jesus really did die. And yet on the Sunday morning, he was raised to life again. He was resurrected. Now that may be hard to believe. It may be out of the normal things that we see. But when you look at the evidence, what other conclusion can you make? Jesus was resurrected. And this makes all the difference, friends. Because it means when we're walking through the darkness, when we, when we experience those cruel twists that this life will throw at us, Jesus' resurrection makes all the difference because it brings us hope in those times. And that's, that's the third thing for the day. Jesus' resurrection brings us hope, even in the dark times. That is, 
Jesus rising from the dead has consequences for me and for you. We get hints of this in that part of the Bible we read before. Look at verse 11 again. After he suffered, it says, After he suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. See, Jesus' resurrection means he justifies many. Jesus' resurrection means we can be right with God again. Our iniquities, our guilt and sin has been dealt with. This is the kind of thing that's spelled out even more clearly in the New Testament. Uh, check out these words from the Bible. These words were written, say, 20 or so years after Jesus rose from the dead again. It says, but, 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 but Christ, but Jesus has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. It says that Jesus' resurrection is like the first fruits from a harvest. You know, um, that time when you go and, and you get to pick the first strawberry for the season and you bite into it and think, how good are, I remember how good strawberries are now. But you know, that the best thing you know is that this is the first fruits, that is, there's more strawberries to come. Jesus' resurrection is like that. It's, it's the first one and it's saying there's more resurrections to come. Jesus' resurrection is the assurance that we too will rise again. And this has massive consequences for life then, doesn't it? It changes everything. And I mean, there's more than I can spell out in the next few moments that we have here. But, but, but here are a few things that are important for us now. Firstly, Jesus' resurrection means that Jesus is the real deal. You can't ignore someone like this. Uh, compare him to Kerry Packer. Kerry Packer was clinically dead for seven minutes. They managed to resuscitate him and he had 15 more years. And actually, that's not terribly uncommon. That happens every once in a while to people. Jesus is different. He was dead. Then he rose to life. But he rose to life never to die again. This is the difference between resurrection and resuscitation. You can't ignore someone like Jesus who does this who's resurrected. Secondly, that Jesus' resurrection means that death is not the end. Remember, he is the first fruits. He's the guarantee that there's more to come. Which leads us on then to the next thing. Jesus' resurrection means we need to get ready for what's to come. There's more to life than just the here and now, friend. And so we can't live as if this life is all there is. We must get ready for what's to come. So are you then? Are you ready? Getting ready is not very hard at all. Here's a quick guide. I'll give it to you in three three simple steps. Um, Quick guide to get ready for the life to come. Firstly, trust that Jesus has done everything you need to be right for the next life. It doesn't depend on what you do. It's it's all about what Jesus has done for you. So, So trust him. Secondly then, pray and ask God for forgiveness. And trust that because of Jesus, God will give you forgiveness. Thirdly, live your life trusting Jesus. Listen to him. Trust he has your best interest at heart. Let him be your guide through life. That's not very complicated, is it? It's a life of trust, trusting Jesus. But maybe you're thinking, I just need a bit more information first. Because maybe you think, if you're going to trust Jesus, I ought to get to know him a bit before I jump in with him. Let me show you. 
a real easy way to do that. This. It's called Word 1 to 1. It's so easy, friends. Um, all you do, you find a friend that you're comfortable with who will do this with you. And look, if, if, you, if you're stretched, I'll, I'll jump in and be, be, the, be the friend with you. And you sit down with your friend and you know, sit down over a coffee or, or maybe over a beer or something. And you read it, you open it up. Um, and this is, it's just got one of the biographies of Jesus' life in there. There's a few notes to help you along the way. If you're not really sure, you, do, you just even try it out once. And if you don't like it, well, that's fine. You gave it a go. But if you want to do more, then you can keep going. Easy. Simple way to get to know Jesus. Why not give it a go? Are you ready for the life that is to come? I'm talking about why Jesus' resurrection matters. And here's the last reason I want to point out today. It matters because it gives us hope. Now, even in a world that can be dark at times, even when life is cruel, even in those moments, Jesus' resurrection gives us hope. Let me demonstrate what I mean. I want to compare two songs. Uh, the first song is a song written by U2. Everyone's heard of U2, surely. We haven't been living under a rock for the last 50 years. Uh, uh, this song is called Wake Up Dead Man, and it wrestles with a world where we experience darkness. This is how, it, um, this is how the song starts off. Jesus, Jesus help me. I'm alone in this world, and a messed up world it is too. The world is messed up and they're crying out, Jesus, help me. And so in the next verse, he goes on and says, Jesus, I'm waiting here, boss. I know you're looking out for us. But maybe your hands aren't free. The experience is that the world is messed up and it just doesn't seem like Jesus is doing something. No matter how much I cry out, Jesus isn't doing something. So where is Jesus in all this mess? That's that's the question the song asks. And then... Uh, these verses keep pouring, and all through the song there's a chorus, and in the chorus it repeats again and again, wake up, wake up, dead man. Because that's the reality, friends. If Jesus is still a dead man, if Jesus is still in the grave, we have no hope. We're simply alone in a messed up world. Compare that to another song. This other song is called It Is Well. A song was written by a guy with a fantastic name. His name is Horatio Spafford. Michael and Eleanor, you guys are having a child soon. Horatio for the name. Um, uh, Spafford lived in the US in the 1800s, so a while ago. He's a lawyer, um, and he's a pretty successful one at that. But, but things changed. In 1871, two things happened. Uh, the great... Chicago fire ripped through uh, much of the city of Chicago and it financially ruined Spafford. But even worse, just a short time before the fire, his son, his, his only son, died. So for the next couple of years, Horatio and his wife, uh, Anna, um, are trying to pull their life back together. And in 1873, two years later, they plan a trip to England. They're going over there to support... Uh, one of their friends, who's a well-known preacher. But at the last minute, Spafford has to stay behind on business. 
but he puts his wife Anna and their four girls, four daughters, on the boat uh, to England. And as, as Anna and the four girls are on board this ship in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, they collide with another ship. The boat sinks and, and all four of the daughters die. Spafford's wife, Anna, she sent him a telegram. It's chilling. It, it reads, Saved. Alone. What shall I do? Uh, so Spafford, um, he quickly jumps on a boat. He, he travels over to England to meet his wife. And on the way, as, he, as, as his ship is passing the place where his four daughters have died, he wrote this song. It's called It Is Well. Uh, listen to some of the lyrics. You can, you can just... The hope oozes out. Uh, it begins, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot you have taught me to, to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. He goes on. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. The hope is there, isn't it? For me, um, this, is the, this is the verse. But Lord... Tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. Oh, trump of the angel, oh, voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest for my soul. Jesus was resurrected and that changed everything for Spafford. His hope wasn't in that someday he'd be able to recover or build up his fortune again. He knew there was no way he could bring his four daughters and his only son back. But still, time and again, he penned this refrain that keeps coming up in the song, It is well, it is well with my soul. Because for him, the sky was the goal. There was a new and better life, a resurrected life awaiting him. And he was confident, despite his grief, he was confident his four girls were experiencing that life. His, his son was experiencing that resurrected life with Jesus. And see the difference between these two songs. One is hopeless because Jesus hasn't been resurrected. He's still a dead man. The other is full of hope because the guy who's writing it knows Jesus has been resurrected. Death is not the end. There is more beyond and this is not some kind of pie in the sky when you die. This is not empty platitudes. This is true hope based in the fact that Jesus has been resurrected. This is the hope my friend had. He, was, he, he went through dark, dark times as his mental health spiraled down. And, and what could he have put his hope in at that time? That if he just hung on? That, that, that maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month, that, that, that things would get better? 
If he just held on, eventually he'd be well again. But there was no promise of that. Maybe he wouldn't. But my friend, his hope, his hope was in Jesus. His hope was grounded in the resurrection of Jesus. And what he looked forward to, what he's still looking forward to this day, was that next life. That life where Jesus had promised him, the darkness will end. That's the hope that keeps him afloat, when nothing else will. Friends, each year, Easter comes around to remind us there is hope. And there is hope because Jesus has risen. This makes a difference in life. It changes everything. It means we can endure even in the darkness. So my only, my, my only message to you today is have your hope in Jesus. Let me pray. How loving Father. This was your plan all along. That our Lord Jesus would die and rise to life again. We thank you. We praise you that because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can have hope. And Father, we pray that we would cling on to that hope always and no matter what. Please strengthen us for this, we pray. In the name of our Lord. Amen.